Let's spend some time in prayer. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we've come to worship you because you alone are worthy of our worship and praise in our lives. We thank you for all the the kids who came to Vacation Bible School. We thank you for all the, the leaders and workers who work so hard. We're so thankful for so many children putting their faith in you. Thank you, Lord. We pray that they would become disciples of yours and follow you for life. Lord, we're thankful for this new month and our new small group season. Pray for energy and strength for our small group leaders. Pray that that people would move in and that as we gather together each week, that you would truly make us disciples of Jesus. As we open your word today, we pray that uh, you would forgive the one who speaks for his sins are many and that we would be able to marvel at Jesus together. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Marvel at Jesus, I must share with you this series is out of my uh, comfort zone. We are one church with two campuses, and this series was Andy's idea. And um, so I have watched 12 Marvel movies in the last month. And uh, I've really gotten into it, and and I hope you're going to enjoy this month as well. The word marvel is an interesting word. It, It works really good with Jesus. The word marvel means to be filled with wonder or astonishment. Shouldn't that be true of us and Jesus, that we would be filled with, with astonishment, with wonder over who Jesus is? And, and then I began to think, marvel at Jesus, that people spend lots of money to go to movie theaters and marvel at superheroes who are just fictional. And, and we actually get to come together for free. I mean, I appreciate those of you who give, but we're not charged. We get to come and we get to marvel at Jesus together, and that's what we're going to do this month. We're going to spend a month and marvel at Jesus. Now, here's where we're going this month. We're going to start today with power up, and we're going to see that the point of this message today is with great power comes great responsibility. And then we're going to continue on and look at the power to defeat villains next week, the power to transform the next week, and then the power of team the last week. Now, as I watched 12 movies, what struck me was all the movies I saw, they, were, they all reminded me of the story. All those 12 movies, there was always a villain. And the villain always wanted to destroy the earth. And people were powerless. And then a long step forward, a superhero with superpower who delivered the people and saved the earth. And doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't it? The reason the movies resonate with people is that's the story, isn't it? Isn't that the story of the Bible? The story of the Bible is we have an enemy, a villain whose name is Satan, who's out to destroy the earth and all the people in it, right? And we're powerless ourselves. And what we need is a superhero. So Jesus steps forward and defeats our enemy and delivers us. Isn't that the story? Um, Listen, the story is, is over and over again in all these movies. And so we're not endorsing these movies for you, but we want you to know that they provide us a way to connect with our community. Maybe if you see one of these movies with a friend, you can say to them, ever wonder why? 
Ever wonder why people like superhero movies? They remind us of the story. Do you know the story? And people would say, what story? And we'd say the story of the Bible. Those movies really reflect and resonate with the story of the Bible. So, to kind of get us going, we've got a little compilation of a Spider-Man movie from 2002. I want you to look at it, and then we'll kind of uh, unpack it a little bit. That's me. combining the genetic information from all three spiders into these 15 genetically designed super spiders. There's 14. I beg your pardon? One's missing. Yeah. Huh. I guess the researchers are working on that one. Hey. Uh, can I take your picture? I, I need one with a student in it. Sure. Yeah. Great. Where do you want me? Oh, over here? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Don't make me look ugly. <laughs> that's impossible. <gasps> Is that good? Great. That's great. <laughs> Whatever life holds in store for me, I will never forget these words. With great power comes great responsibility. This is my gift, my curse. Who am I? I'm Spider-Man.
Shazam! Go! Go! Go, Web, go! So we have here Peter Parker, a high school student, rather nerdy, kind of powerless uh, to do much until he's on a high school uh, field trip and he's bitten by a radioactive spider and that changes everything. Did, did you notice he had an identity? He said, I am Spider-Man. When I watched that, I thought that story is kind of my story too, that I was kind of wasting my life until one day Jesus found me and saved me. And I, too, was given a new identity. You do know who I am, right? I'm gospel man. <laughs> and if you're a Christian, you are, too. You're, you're, you're gospel woman or, or gospel man. And so Spider-Man said, I've got a new identity. I'm Spider-Man. I'm gospel man. And, and then Spider-Man was, was given a superpower, uh, spider power. And uh, when Jesus saved me, he gave me a superpower. Uh, you know what it is? It's... It's the gospel. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. Jesus entrusted to me, and if you're a Christian, you've been given superpower too. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. It's the power over death. It's the power to change everything that's broken in our lives. And, um, and then we saw that Spider-Man, he, he, he got a new purpose. When he was given a power, he was given the power for a purpose. And it, it was to, to defeat evil and to defend the powerless. And yet, Spider-Man learned that it, that it takes a while to learn how to use that power responsibly. <laughs> but did you hear what he said? He said, with great power comes great responsibility. And so when we become a Christian and we're given a superpower, the gospel, we have a purpose too. And the purpose is to share the gospel and win lost people to Christ and make disciples who make disciples until the world is one. Because with great power comes great responsibility. But it, but it takes work and effort to learn how to use that power responsibly. So... <clears throat> If you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 12. Uh, if you don't, you can follow on the screens. Luke is one of the four gospel accounts of Jesus. And we've been learning that it's really good to get in the Word, but it's better to be under the Word. So we sit underneath God's Word today. In Luke 12, Jesus is training His disciples, teaching them what it means to be a disciple. And we've been learning that this year, that a disciple is a follower of Jesus and here Jesus is teaching his disciples and us how to follow him. And we'll start reading in verse 35. Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit. Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast 
so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master uh, whom the master will find on the alert when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come up and wait on them. Whether he comes in the second watch or even in the third and finds them so blessed are those slaves. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. You too be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you addressing this parable to us or to everyone else as well? The Lord said, Who then is the faithful and sensible steward whom his master will put in charge of his servants to give them their rations at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his Master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that slave says in his heart, my master will be a long time in coming and begins to beat the slaves, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect and in an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. And that slave who knows his master's will and did not get ready uh, or did not get ready, where am I? What verse? Thank you, 47. And the slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accord with his will will receive many lashes. But the one who did not know it and committed deeds worthy of a flogging will receive but few. For everyone who has been given much, much will be required. See, that's what we're learning today. With much power comes great responsibility. From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much, of whom, of him, they will ask all the more. So what we have here are three parables. Three parables, one after another. And a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And generally, parables teach one truth. All three parables, the story of the wedding, the story of the thief, the story of the faithful steward, they're all teaching Jesus is coming again, and it's really important that we're prepared. All three teach us Jesus is coming again, be prepared. If Jesus were to come today, would you be prepared? Um, now, some of you were here last week, and last week we looked at how the Bible, the Bible is one story. Remember, we, we said the Bible is one story, but it has four chapters. Anybody remember what chapter one was? Come on, be a little confident. What? Creation, Creation right. We looked at God made everything. That was chapter one. And then chapter two was fall, that man sinned against God, and that wrecked everything, right? Remember chapter three was redemption. Jesus came to save us and to undo all that sin had had messed up. And then chapter four was consummation. And consummation is Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming back to usher in the final state of things. And so what we're going to focus in today on is chapter four. We're going to focus in on consummation that Jesus is coming back. And again, if he came back, would you be ready? <clears throat> 
Jesus is coming again, and the return of Jesus is a major doctrine in the New Testament. It's mentioned over 400 times in the New, over, over 300 times in the New Testament. That means about one out of every 13 verses in the New Testament is speaking about his return that day, the day when he comes. Did, did you pick that up in, in what we read today, verse 37? Blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on the alert when he comes, that he's coming. We saw that in verse 37. We saw it in verse 40. You too, be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Jesus is coming, right? Be ready. We see it again in verse 43. Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Over and over and over again, the Bible says, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. And then the Bible says it's important to be ready, to be ready. Those that are ready, those that are prepared, when Jesus returns, it will go well. Did you pick that up in verse 37? Blessed. How overwhelmed with joy. How wonderful it will be. Blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on the alert when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them while the master will serve the servants. Wow. Listen, it will go well for those on that day when Jesus returns for those who are prepared. Again, verse 43, the, another beatitude, right, given. Blessed, how overwhelmed with joy, how wonderful it will be, how well it will go on that day. Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Those who are prepared, it will go well. But I want you to know, those that are not prepared, that day will go. It will be more horrific than anything we can imagine. Verse 45, but... If that slave says in his heart, uh, my master will be a long time in coming and begins to beat the slaves, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. No hurry, no hurry. I have plenty of time, right? The master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and in an hour he does not know and will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbeliever. Only two groups of people when he returns, those that are prepared and it will go well, and those that aren't and it will be horrific. So you say, well, Smiley, why is Jesus coming back? Jesus is coming back. History is moving toward its consummation. When Jesus comes back, to usher in the final state of things. And when he comes back, there will be two huge events, two huge events. And the first event will be the resurrection of all people, the resurrection of all people. Look at John 5, verse 28, do not marvel. See the word marvels in the Bible, right? You see it? 
Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth. So, now, now many of you grew up in churches that said the Apostles' Creed. Remember, it says that Jesus will come, and then it says, I believe in the resurrection of the body. That when Jesus comes back, everyone who's ever lived will be raised bodily from the grave. Now, doesn't this sound familiar? Listen again. An hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth. What does that sound like? Someone was in the tomb and they heard the voice and they walked out. Sounds like what? Lazarus, right? That Lazarus heard his voice and Lazarus walked back. Can you imagine what that day is going to be like when Jesus speaks and all the people who have ever lived, body and spirits reunited, will rise from the dead and will come forth. Now notice what it says, those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, those that were prepared, those who believed in Jesus, they're going to experience a resurrection to life. But what about the unprepared and those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment? So Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, all the people that have ever lived will be raised bodily from the dead. And then the next event will be the last judgment, the judgment day. And we read about that in Matthew 25. In Matthew 25, we read, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory... Remember when Jesus came the first time? His glory was veiled. How many people knew when Jesus came the first time? How many? Just what? Just a few, right? The shepherds, the wise men, Mary. But when he comes back, everyone's going to come back because when he comes back, his glory is not going to be veiled. It's going to be unveiled. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, can you imagine what that day is going to be like? Jesus in his glory. Then he will sit on his glorious throne. Now notice, all the nations will be gathered before him. All the people that have ever lived, raised bodily from the grave, they will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another. As the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, there's only two groups. There's the prepared and the unprepared. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. And what will be the difference at the end of this chapter? We read in verse 46, these, those that died, those that were unprepared when Jesus came back, these will go away into eternal punishment. But the prepared, those who believed in Jesus, but the righteous, those who put their faith in Christ, the righteous into eternal life. So history is moving toward a day when Jesus comes back. And when he comes back, all the people that have ever lived will be raised bodily from the dead. They will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Those that were prepared and believed will have everlasting life. Those that were unprepared, everlasting punishment. I talk to many who say, well, Smiley, I believe in eternal life, but not in eternal punishment. You see the word eternal? It's the same. The same word that describes eternal life also describes eternal punishment. Okay, okay, smiley. So I understand what happens when Jesus comes back, but what about people who die before he comes back? What happens to people who die before Jesus comes back? Well, again, there's two kinds of people. Some die prepared and some die unprepared. 
when people die unprepared, when people die in their sins, to understand what happens to them, let's, let's think a little bit about our judicial system in our country, okay? That'll help us. So in our country, someone commits a serious crime and the police catch them, where do they take them? They take them where? To jail. You're smart, right? And jail is a temporary holding place where people who've been arrested go and they stay in jail until their trial. So there's a temporary place people go while they wait their trial. And then they have their trial. And if they're found guilty, where are they sent to? Prison. So prison is like, it's like jail, but different, right? Because jail is where you go before the judgment day, and prison is where you go after the One is a temporary place, one is a final place. So, when an unbeliever dies, his body and spirit are separated, his body is laid in the grave, and his spirit goes to hell. But it is a temporary place to be because the unbeliever who dies is waiting the judgment day. And when Jesus comes back, his body and spirit will be reunited and he will be examined by his thoughts and words and deeds and then he will be cast, body and spirit, into hell forever and ever. What happens to someone who dies, who believes? What happens to those who die prepared? To understand what happens to people who die prepared, think good, better, best. Good, better, best. See the word eternal life? The Bible teaches that eternal life is knowing Jesus. So eternal life for a Christian begins not when they die physically, but the moment they believe. And so eternal life is good now, and, and then it's better in the intermediate state, but it will be the best in the final state. So a believer already enjoying eternal life, when a believer dies, his body is laid in the grave, and his spirit immediately goes to be with Jesus, to be absent from the bodies, to be at home with the Lord. Remember what Jesus told the thief next to him? He said what? Today you'll be with me in paradise. But I want you to know heaven, as we think of it, is the intermediate state, not the final state. The believer is waiting the day that Jesus comes back. And when Jesus comes back, his body, her body is going to be raised up and they're going to be whole, perfect in body and spirit. And eternal life will not be off in the cloud somewhere where it's best as we will have new bodies, perfect in body and spirit, and we will do eternity with Jesus on earth an earth where everything sad and broken is untrue and everything beautiful and wonderful will be there. Jesus is coming. It could be today. We need to be prepared. Are you? Now, each week we like to, to have a point and then an action step, and our action step for this week is I want you to power up I want you to power up, and by that I want you to power up with the gospel because the gospel is the power of God for salvation. 
Now, we talked today about a judgment day, so let's just think about that for a moment, a judgment day. Now, first of all, we couldn't live here on earth if we didn't believe there was going to be a judgment day, could we? I mean, don't people do horrific things, don't they? And sometimes people seem to get away with it, don't they? And so we couldn't live if we didn't believe there would be a day at the end where justice would be done and those who do horrific things would be punished, right? We couldn't live if there wouldn't be a judgment day. But then what happens? <laughs> we think a little bit more and we think, man, we can't live knowing there will be a judgment day because we realize we too will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And the bad news of the gospel is, listen, our thoughts, our words, our actions will be examined. And if any of us stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we are judged by our thoughts and our words and our deeds, we will all be condemned. Read Daniel, and Daniel, the great phrase, you have been weighed on the scale and found lacking. Every one of us has committed crime after crime against God in thought and word and deed. So what do we do if we stand condemned? What do we do? We believe the gospel. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. We need a Savior to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Here's the good news. Because we stand condemned, God the Son put on flesh and came to earth to save us. That he lived a perfect life for us. And then he went to the cross and he took our sin, our thoughts, our words, our deeds, and he died in our place once and for all. He really died and he was buried, but he didn't stay buried. On the third day, he walked out of the tomb because death is the penalty for sin, and since sin had been paid in full, he walked out proving he had conquered sin and death, and he offers us salvation. Notice what it says. No one is too bad to be saved, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What does that mean? It means that if we believe in Jesus, we can be forgiven of all of our sins, those thoughts, those words, and those deeds, and it gets better. Look at the latter, the next verse. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. That when you put your faith in Jesus, not only does, are your words, thoughts, and deeds forgiven, but you're given Christ's righteousness so that when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, instead of being examined by your righteousness, it will be His. His words, His thoughts, His deeds. Listen, when you stand, you want it to be yours or you want it to be Jesus's? Listen, he saves us from sin so we can be clothed in his righteousness. He saves us from wasting our lives so that we can do life with and for him. He saves us from an eternity apart from Jesus and all good things so that we can have an eternity with Jesus, with new bodies, and enjoy all things. And uh, our part, the way we power up with the gospel is we believe in, in Jesus. We believe in Jesus. And, 
And, and we love to say that's as simple as A, B, C, that we admit and believe and commit. And if you never have, listen, Jesus is coming. It could be today. Admit to Jesus, Jesus, I've sinned against you, and, and I'm sorry. And believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And commit to Jesus. Jesus, be my Savior. Forgive me. Give me your righteousness. Give me eternal life. I want to spend eternity with you and not apart from you. It's Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be, won't you? Oh, to power up to power up, to be ready when Jesus comes back. To power up means we believe the gospel. And when we do, when we do, we don't have to fear the judgment day because we are forgiven and given His righteousness. <laughs> to power up means this week what I want you to do is to preach the gospel to ourselves, to preach the gospel to ourselves over and over again. What do I mean? Listen, listen to verse 14. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The day I was saved, I was overwhelmed by two things. First, thankfulness. Thank you that you would forgive me and give me your righteousness and you would save me. You would save my life and my eternity. Thank you. But at the exact same moment, I felt an obligation. I had friends. I had people I knew. And oh, how I wanted to go and share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. And over many, many years, I want, you know, those two have grown so that I am far more thankful to be saved today than I was then because I know more of what it means and I have a far greater burden of sharing him with others than I did before, don't you? Notice what he says, with great power comes great responsibility. When we know Jesus and we are entrusted with the cure for death, we can't keep it to ourselves. When we're, when we're entrusted with the power of God for salvation that everyone needs to hear, we must share it. And so to preach the gospel to ourselves over and over again is to say, I am gospel man. You're a lady, I'm gospel woman. I've been given super power. I've been given the power of the gospel. I am here to share the gospel. I am here to win the loss. I'm here to make disciples who make disciples until the world is won. I can share my faith. I can lead people to faith in Christ because the power is in the gospel and not in me. So this week, we power up, we believe the gospel, and then to power up means we preach the gospel to ourselves. I can share my faith. I can share my faith. I can lead people to faith in Christ because the power is in the gospel, not in me. And then I want you to preach the gospel to others this week, to preach the gospel to others. Oh, so many of us say, well, I can't. No, you can. If you believe in Jesus, then you know how to lead someone else to faith in Jesus. You can do it. You can do it. We can help. Now, I know some of you still say, oh, I can't. So, uh, about a week or so ago, uh, Strider, uh, our student pastor, he, he called me 
and then he called Yanni, and then he called Dominic, and we had a group prayer time on the phone. I had never done that. I thought, that is really cool. I want to learn how to do that. Generally, when I want to learn how to do things, I call Yanni and say, Yanni, will you teach me? But this time I said, no, I'm going to do it different. So I Google, how do you make a group phone call on an iPhone? <laughs> and this lady came up and she showed me step by step what to do to make a group phone call. So first I wanted to, and then I sought out training. And then guess what you have to do? You have to what? You have to do it. So I call Karen and I call her mother and we had a group phone call. It was amazing. I did it. I did it. <laughs> now I know a lot of you are technology natives. I want you to know I'm a technology immigrant and that was a major, major accomplishment for me. Um, but when it comes to sharing the gospel, maybe, maybe the roles are reversed. And, and maybe I'm a, a gospel native and maybe you're a gospel immigrant. But I want you to know you can do it. You can do it. And it all starts with we want to. We've encouraged you this year to make a list of five people and share one, five lost friends that you would like to see come to faith in Christ. Are there people you want to see come to faith in Christ? That's where it starts. Do you have it? Secondly, just like I did, I, I sought out training. So you need to learn how I want to reach my friends for Christ. Every Sunday when you come, every Sunday when you come, you hear the gospel. Every Sunday, I'm like the lady on Google. I'm training you how you can share your faith. And to help you, to help you with that, we've even put together what you hear every week in a little booklet called Do You Know that you can take and read it to a friend. You can do it. You can do it. We can help. Won't you pick one up? Won't you read it? Won't you practice it and practice it and practice it and practice it? And then won't you take that step? Won't you pray and then take that step to share with a friend? What's my, how, how do you take that step? Here's what happens to me all the time. People will share with me, you know, Smiley, I, I'm so stressed. They're inviting me to share the gospel. Do you realize that? They, 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 I'm so stressed. And I say, hey, I understand how you can be stressed. It's a crazy world. Could I share with you? Could I share with you what helps me with stress? And do you know what everybody says at that point? What? Sure. Because they just told me they were stressed. And I give them Jesus right where they are. And then I just say, hey, uh, what's really helped me with stress is, is, is having a, a relationship with Jesus. Um, could I share with you how I know him and how he could help you with stress? And the people say, yes. So let me ask you one more question. Let me ask you one more question. I just ask them. I say, listen, do you, do you know for sure that you have eternal life? And, and then I share with them the bad news that we've all sinned against God and we're in big trouble. And then I share the good news with them. I just read it to them that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose from the grave and offers us the free gift of eternal life. And then I just offer it to them. Hey, would, would you like this gift? We receive it by faith. And then I share with them. 
Listen, here's how Jesus helps me with being tired. That Jesus has forgiven me. That helps me rest. Wouldn't you like to rest? And Jesus has taken over control of my life. And as I follow him, he helps me rest. Wouldn't you like rest? Jesus has promised to get me safely home and that I can spend eternity with him. That helps me rest. Wouldn't you like to rest in Jesus? Listen, you can do it. You can do it. We really, you really, really can. And, and we can help you. It's that we want to. It's that we train to. And then we jump out and share the gospel. Because what did we learn today? That Jesus is coming back. And what makes all the difference in the world is whether people are prepared or not. Um, so I plead with you. I plead with you, power up. Power up. Believe the gospel yourself. That's where it starts. And then preach the gospel to yourselves. <laughs> and then preach the gospel to others. For the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. <laughs> Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for delaying your return to give us time to be prepared, to give us time to go to the people we know and love and prepare them. Thank you for delaying your return. And listen, if you're here today and you're prepared for so many things, but you're not prepared for Jesus to return, you're not prepared to die, won't you prepare now? One day it will be too late. Won't you admit to him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and, and, and I'm sorry. And won't you believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and, and rose. And won't you commit, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. And forgive me of all my sins. And give me your righteousness and eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be, won't you? Remember, we, we, we read that the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. If you believe, then Jesus says you're saved. Won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. Lord, I pray as your people, those of us who believe in you, that this week we would power up and preach the gospel to ourselves over and over and over again, that we are gospel women and gospel men, and we've been given gospel power, and the power's in the gospel and not in us. And Lord, may we go and share the gospel with others. Lord, open up opportunities for us to share the gospel with others and help others prepare for life and eternity. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.